0: Hello, family, and welcome to Kingwood Methodist. In John 4.23, Jesus states that a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. As we gather at church and open God's Word, we are not just coming together for the sake of gathering, but also to learn the truth of God and how we can grow to love God with our whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. As we continually surrender our lives to the word of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we become the type of worshipers our Heavenly Father seeks. Let's dive in together. Hey, just a reminder for us where we are. We're in a series called Get Your Life Back, and the irony is as we look at technology and trying to find ways to not let technology and phones and everything control us, we are encouraging you to add one more app to your phone to slow you down, right? It's called um, the Pause app. Now, there's a QR code if you'd like. There's also handouts that are at the tables as you leave in both directions and it gives you the opportunity to set the pause in your daily rhythms and what you do is you download the app and then you pick the time through the settings as to when you want your day paused for 60 seconds and it walks you through the prayer that accompanies that which is Christ I give everyone and everything to you and you pause and at the end you say God I give everyone and everything to you it's just 60 seconds now we don't do well with silence, especially in crowds and in big times. It, it can feel awkward, but we're going to just do that for 10 seconds, okay? I'm not going to fall asleep during my own sermon, I promise you, right? I'm going to count one Mississippi, two Mississippi. How many of y'all remember that old school thing, right? We're just going to take 10 seconds just to see what it feels like for the rhythm and encourage you to download that app. And to get into the practice and also to look at, if you'd want to, on your own, you can buy the book on Kindle or buy it used or buy it new, whatever you like. And look for some of the more concrete details that will be lifted up. Let's just pause for 10 seconds now. Jesus, we give everything. And everyone to you we give everyone and everything to you oh God and all of God's people said amen it's it's difficult to find a pause in the midst of life that can be so busy um, we we find ourselves just sort of pulled in all kinds of directions and as I looked at the uh, large counter in the workroom upstairs I noticed that we had a box come in that was uh, reflecting the challenges of travel, huh? The tape just sort of holding it together um, literally on a thread, if you would. Does your life ever feel like this, right? That the travels through life have just worn out the edges so much. Here's the difference. The contents inside that box are a bunch of books and they're generally okay. What I have found is that when my life treats me like this on the outside, there's no way to keep it from seeping to the inside. Growing up, most of us lived underneath the canopy of the little sayings. One of those was, and you're going to finish this sentence for me, sticks and stones may break my bones, but... Raise your hand if you think that's really true. Words hurt, don't they? Life experience, not just on the outside, but can seep to the inside. So the difference between the tattered box and our tattered lives is that the challenge is how to not let what's on the exterior determine what's on the interior. Now, we're going to end up today in a few minutes looking at Jesus' ministry in Mark chapter 5 about how does this get played out in a practical way. But before we get there, we want to remind ourselves, what is the challenge? The challenge is that we live in a hypervigilant society that has literally turned us dependent upon our digital devices. Now these things are great, don't get me wrong. This is not to demonize technology. I may demonize artificial intelligence though. I'm concerned about that. I plugged in the other day in chatbot Write a sermon on justifying grace with three New Testament references according to John Wesley. It did it. And it was really pretty good. So if you ever see a sermon come up on John Wesley's theology of justifying grace, God spoke through AI. I'm concerned about that, but but hey, we can we can FaceTime folks when we can't be with them, right? We got We can show you pictures of the most beautiful grandchildren. There's two of them, and there are a lot of pictures of them right here, right? There's beautiful ways we can share experiences. We can do positive things with this, but this is just a tool. The question is, what do we do with those tools? And if we allow those tools to become greater distractions in our life, or are they fueling our discipleship? That's what we need to unpack and figure out. Now, if you pick up Get Your Life Back... You're going to get some tips in there, things that you can do to sort of, uh, in a practical way, you can unplug, you can take a a one-minute pause, you can plan time for a walk, you can do lots of those things. But the scripture that really resonated with a mass of material, thinking about what does it mean for us to look at letting life be intentional, comes from me out of James chapter 1, verse 27. James is a... Epistle, a small book in the New Testament. And James's emphasis is connecting both the faith that is spoken with the actions. It has that phrase that maybe you've heard, faith without works is dead, right? There's the old song, uh, forget who wrote it, but it was a Christian song. Uh, Faith without works is about as useless as a screen door on a submarine, right? These are necessary components together. So here's what James chapter 1, verse 27 says. You know, let's just read it together. It's right in front of you. Um, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to give you just an additional reference when you think about what it means uh, to take initiative and to combat some of the pulls and tugs for you all this family. I think that when we uh, are in ministry at the church, one of our greatest resources to you is to provide opportunities and additional resources for you to take your family back if you would to to teach and whatnot and there's a book by uh, Jefferson Bethke uh, it's entitled Take Your Family Back as Sean and I discussed this series I will admit she reads far more than I do um, and this is one that I said well okay so we listened to the podcast review uh, as I was driving the other day and it really has got some great practical tips about where you can begin in, in practices with your family and doing things, because if you 're like our family when we were raising kids we we would just got on the treadmill of busyness we were just we were just lucky to keep up with pace right, and I know that 's not gotten any better. This technology that was supposed to create white space and margin in our life hasn 't literally created more restful space it 's literally inviting us to keep up the frantic pace of the microprocessor in your phones and computers. And it won't work. Friends, even an iPhone has to be recharged. If all we do is let the technology on our hip pull us into a pace that we can never keep up with, then we will not live life. We'll just be going through the motions. One of the things that is recommended by Eldridge is, that we, in this process, need to do things like take a walk and take a break, Uh, do things that can break the monotonous rhythm or the hyper-vigilant dependency upon the latest ding. Maybe you need to, on your phone in a practical way, go into the menu settings and turn off your alerts, right? Why do you need to be alerted that there is a tragedy happening 6,000 miles away? Does that help you? I mean, we still have the technology to learn about it. And we can respond. And there's a beautiful part of technology that when an earthquake happens in Turkey, we can find a way to choose to respond. We can zell. We can, whatever the other things are. That's what my wife handles. I like cash. I'm old school. Give me the cash. Right? But we can respond and do amazing things. When we were... Two years, more than two years ago, when we were actually in the Holy Land, as COVID was starting to shut the world down, there were a hundred displaced people who were Ukrainians from the Russian invasion in the hotel, and you actually gave $7,000 in three days, and I was able to buy supplies for people who had nothing but literally the clothes on their back and basically think of an H-E-B or Kroger trash bag, and that was it people who didn't have medications. So technology can do beautiful things, but it can wear us out. So here's what I wanna to suggest to you. We should not assume that the technology in the app can replace the disciplines of the faith, all right? The, the, the practical disciplines of reading scripture, of praying, of devoting ourselves and there's a reason this is not accidental that ryan's reading from acts chapter 2 we talk about this we listen on our knees to what god's saying that they devoted themselves in the early church the breaking of the bread the worship the growing together there's a reason we read scripture together because whenever you read scripture alone and pray alone god will always agree with you but when you read the scripture and you pray in community you will hear what you may not have heard what you need to hear. And in Eldridge's book, he talks about getting your life back is, is a sense of recognizing the losses. And so I'm going to make a connection that he doesn't, and we'll see if it works. He uses the illustration that when we have losses that we haven't reconciled, we go through time and we reach back and we need some things that we've lost, but we don't recognize what we've lost until we need it. So I would suggest this to you. You don't recognize the the essentials of the faith that you need until you need them, but you haven't lived into practices with them. And he uses a quote from Mark Twain, which I really like. The second half of the quote is going to be up here. Here's how he gets into it. Mark Twain said years ago, a man's house burns down. The smoking wreckage represents only a ruined home that was dear through the years of use and pleasant associations. By and by, as the days and weeks go on, first he misses this and then he misses that and then the other thing. And when he casts about for it, he finds that it was in the house, right? So the thing he's looking for was in the house, it's not there. Always it is an essential. There was but just one of a kind, it can't be replaced. I mean, it was in the house. It, it's irrevocably lost. He did not realize that it was an essential when he had it. He only discovers it now when he finds himself balked, hampered by its absence. It will be years before the tale of lost essentials is complete, and not till then can he truly know the magnitude of his disaster. First when I think about. The treasures that God gives to you and me in community and the breaking of the bread and the reading of the scripture and the gathering and fellowship. These are treasures and when we don't live into them, what happens is we find ourselves with a diagnosis, a phone call or a brokenness and we reach over and we need something and it's not there. And do you know why it's not there? It's not there because we haven't been living into the faith. Look, we're not trying to create some sort of pharisaical set of rules to oppress you and say, to be a christian you have to check this box and check that it's not about checking boxes in fact even though the word is religion in james it's not about religion it's about relationship your relationship with christ and your relationship with each other and it's grounded first and foremost in a devoted sense of a discipline of prayer and the reading of scripture I can't tell you how many times when I fail to read scripture and pray to begin my day, my day always goes worse than when I read scripture and pray. It doesn't mean I don't face challenges every day, it doesn't mean that the non-scripture days go better than the other. I'm just telling you that my day, how I feel the day doesn't happen to me, but how I live the day goes different when I ground myself in scripture. Are you doing that? Do you have a Bible? Do you open that Bible? Maybe you got the Bible on an app. Okay, are you reading the Bible on the app? Are you actually reading the scripture? Are you engaging in it? Are you connected in a small group? Are you praying with someone else and that person praying for you? Are you in a small group? Are you in a band group? These, again, these are not boxes to check for obligation. These are opportunities to grow your relationship in Christ, to disentangle from the busy cycle of our world. One of the greatest challenges in our faith is that too often we've not studied and poured over the Scripture and the teachings of the church, these essential gifts. Our culture wants to tell us that it's sufficient to say that God is love, which is true, God is love, but that's just the beginning of the story. There are treasured disciplines of the faith that are essentials, that are available to us. Now, text today makes it very clear. And I think we can all agree that we're to care for the widows and the orphans because of their vulnerability. But have we allowed our faith to be subtly polluted with the self-centered and self-fulfilling messages of the culture around us? Because, friends, you can give and help others and still be polluted in your soul. The goal is to be a both and. One who cares and takes care of and be sure that your soul is not corrupted, as one translation says, or polluted. Because the world offers all kinds of sort of superficial opportunities that have no purpose, no depth, no meaning, and no eternal value. And when that house fire of life happens, when we find ourselves holding on by a thread of tape at the seams, we know we can turn to God. But have we done our intentional work of connecting our own lives to God, grounding it in His Word, listening to the Holy Spirit together, friends? These are gifts that God gives to equip us, to connect us, and to send us in the world. The best way to illustrate that I think is to look at Mark chapter five. You can look at this later; just mark it down. It's an amazing chapter of how Jesus begins. And he's on the south. Well, he's on the south. Eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee in the in the area known as the Gerizines uh, You know, maybe the story of the Gerizonian demoniac Jesus cast the demon out of the man It goes into the pigs that run off the cliff. Now nerd moment for a preacher How did those pigs get so close to Israel? It doesn't allow any pork One bishop said they were bootleg pigs. That's what they were, right? But it was, a, it was a non-Jewish territory. You can get there. It's, it's, it takes some work. But Jesus comes all the way from the southeast up to the north central part of the Sea of Galilee. And as he gets off the boat, everybody hears he's coming. Everybody shows up like normal. And Jairus is a leader of the synagogue. So we think he probably, Jesus probably arrives at Capernaum because there was a synagogue there. And he comes up and he says, Jesus, my daughter's dead. I need your help. So Jesus says, okay, let's go to her. So start this rhythm. Jesus has already cast the demon out of a man and made him whole. He's gone all the way across the lake. That's a whole other sermon. He'll cross the lake for you. He'll calm the storm and invite you to walk on the water. That's a threefold sermon series yet to be written. But Blake, you're on it, right? Yeah, I got it, right? So they're on the way. And as they're on the way, there is a woman who had an issue of blood for 12 years, which in Jesus' time, in that culture, would have meant that she would be ostracized. She would have to tell people she was unclean, she couldn't be around, and people would know that. And somehow, in this mass of people, she somehow, I mean, what a heroine of the faith. All she wants to do is just touch the hem of Jesus robe. Somehow, she gets to Jesus, just his robe, and reaches out and touches it. This is what that looks like in a place called Magdala. Magdala is, um, what you see in this picture, the floor is from the first-century street that led to the Sea of Galilee in Magdala. Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdala, this was her hometown. And this is a portrait that was commissioned and you can see the the hand of the woman reaching and it's sort of a brilliant point. I've got a print in the house that it's just an amazingly moving moment. But, But Jesus says in the moment, well, who touched me? And all the disciples say, really look how do we know he said I, I felt it somebody touched me and then he identifies the woman she says it was me and he says your faith has made you whole and she goes away whole now don't forget it was about Jairus What in it Jairus's daughter what's happened there what's happened to Jairus's daughter well Jesus turns and there's a group of people that are coming from Jairus's house and says too late Jesus you're too late Jesus she's already dead you're too late and Jesus says, come on, Jairus, your daughter's not dead. She's just sleeping. And the text says, they laughed at him. They laughed at him. The world will always laugh because it wants a dead end and a dead end story. And Jesus says, she's just sleeping. Come on. And he walks into the girl and says, "Talita kum, which is Aramaic for... Young girl, get up, rise. And she does, and she walks out. So what do I see all that? I see that you see Jesus is okay with the disruptions. Whether you are reaching to Christ or He is coming to you, even when the world laughs. Jesus says, I come to bring you life. That's the point. That's the point of getting your life back. To put yourself in a position and place where you can reach to Christ and let Christ reach to you. The question today is really simple. Do you want your life back? It starts with giving your life and living your life in Christ. It's this concept that is easy to articulate, but it's a very challenging concept to live. So as our band begins to come back up, we're going to move into communion just a little different kind of way today. We're going to have a song that prepares us. And what's going to happen is as we move through this song, you're going to see people moving to the front. That'll be our communion stewards. You're going to see a tangible witness of people moving to invite you to this table of communion where God says, I'm reaching to you and you reach out your hands and you offer yourselves to Christ. Maybe you've been sitting in a pew all your life, but you haven't had that intentional moment of surrendering your life. Maybe you need to today say, God, I've been going through the motions, but put me back in the game. Help, help me to renew that faith. Help me renew my yes to you. Whatever that looks like for you, we want you today to get your life back or to let God take back your life. in the power of the Holy Spirit that you would leave here beginning to be different. This is not a microwave moment. You're not going to change everything with an appeal, but can you begin the journey to being different, to becoming the one Christ calls you to be in his love? Will you let Christ help you get your life back? That's the question.